three, two, one. This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We're going to get to the newscast here in just a second. We've got a lot to cover today. But first, I want to note that at the end of today's show, we have some bonus content for subscribers. It's an interview with Sino Rahmani, creator and host of The East is a Podcast. We take a deep dive with Sina into the situation around Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. We also talk about just how thoroughly the U.S. will get its ass kicked in a war against Iran. It was a fun interview. That's coming up at the end of the show for subscribers. So if you're listening uh, to this episode on one of our free channels like iTunes or SoundCloud, uh, and you want to listen to the Cena interview, you're going to have to go to patreon.com slash district sentinel, become a $5 subscriber, and you'll see the latest episode. You also get your own haiku uh, by subscribing. We're going to read some uh, haiku at the end of today's show. Also, again, I just want to uh, repeat the in for a buck campaign, Yeah, which is if you just listen to Sentinel Radio on the free channels, that's cool and good. Uh, but... Think about giving us a buck on Patreon, just subscribing for one buck a month and uh, help us keep this thing going. Yeah, we'll uh, write a haiku for you for as low as a buck a month. All right, it's Wednesday, September 25th, 2019. Here's the news. Today, the White House released documents which Republicans are claiming exonerate the president in the Trump-Ukraine Hunter Biden scandal. <laughs> I guess that's the best we can do as far as a name is concerned. I've seen Ukraine gate being thrown around, but I'm trying to resist it for now. In a statement, the White House described the release as, quote, an unredacted transcript. The item posted, however, was titled Memorandum of a Telephone Conversation. In other words, it absolutely was not a transcript. Either way, the memo isn't very flattering to the president. The July 25th phone conversation with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky shows Donald Trump urging prosecution of a political nature, both in the U.S. and Ukraine. First, he claims there's a connection between someone in Ukraine and CrowdStrike, which was the security firm that the DNC contracted to investigate the 2016 election hack. Evidently, this was on Trump's mind because special counsel Robert Mueller had testified before Congress the day before. According to the memo, Trump said, quote, I would like to have the attorney general call you or your people, and I would like you to get to the bottom of it. As you saw yesterday, that whole nonsense ended with a very poor performance by a man named Robert Mueller, end of quote. Now, as we were discussing before we started recording we're not really sure what the president is talking about here no, this although is pure brain melt brain melt yes he's very obviously obsessed with uh whatever is on tv because bob Mueller <laughs> had been on tv the day before yeah he's combining but, multiple stories into a brain melt he's combining the crowd strike report on like ukrainian artillery getting hacked by the russians which proved to be kind of a bunk report with the CrowdStrike report on the DNC server and assuming that the DNC server might be in Ukraine for some reason, but it's, it's just full on brain melt. Yeah. Also, there was um, I, I think there were uh, emails in the DNC hack uh, that said that basically the, the next the genesis of the Trump Russia story had come from Ukrainian officials and that the DNC 
had been trying to reach out to Ukrainian officials uh, to get opposition information. Yeah. The thing about that is, is a little ironic, but there there is a shred of truth there. And this is the other story he's kind of pushed into this mold of stories that he's bringing up to talk to the Ukrainian president about. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, that's that's true. Like a DNC contractor was reaching out to Ukrainian officials during 2016 election trying to get dirt on Trump and Paul Manafort at the time. Right. And out of that reach out, whether or not it was a direct result of that reach out or not, like Ukrainian authorities on some anti-corruption board started a likely sham investigation into Paul Manafort. Remember those ledgers, those the ledgers that Manafort was apparently getting paid under the table? Yeah. Those were probably faked. Like we've never heard about <laughs> those ever again. And no charges were really brought from that because everybody believes that they were fraudulent, it, it, forged r records. And whatever investigation was floated at the time of the election was dumped. So essentially what happened is the DNC tried to get Ukraine to investigate a political rival in 2016. Uh, and it sort of worked. Right. But it, I, it, it's also slightly different from something more akin to what Trump did would be President Obama himself calling yeah. uh, the Ukrainians and saying, hey, me and the attorney general want to want to dig up stuff. I, it doesn't I'd say it doesn't I'd cover the DNC in glory, but I'd say it's different, but not as different as Democrats would like it to be. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Uh, anyway, Trump later brings up the theory that a prosecutor in Ukraine had been thwarted from investigating Hunter Biden who was given a paid board position on a Ukrainian energy firm while dad Joe was still vice president. Trump said, quote, the other thing, there's a lot of talk about Biden's son, that Biden stopped the prosecution, and a lot of people want to find out about that. So whatever you can do with the attorney general would be great. End of quote. Yeah, he <laughs> literally says, I need you to do me a favor. He does. And we've discussed this before on this show, which is that Hunter Biden is a scumbag. He's a total fucking scumbag. People are saying that uh, Biden himself is going to be bolstered in the Democratic primary because of this. I'm not sold on that. I think this makes him look like a total fucking dirtbag. He yeah. was absolutely hired for political reasons. But that's not to say a crime was committed. And again, what we have here is the president trying to use his power to punish political enemies. It's one thing for a U.S. president to say to another world leader, uh, some of our citizens may be engaged in illegal activity in your country. You should stop it. It's quite another to say, hey, you, me, and the attorney general should investigate my rivals uh, in the upcoming election. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Trump and most Republicans think that the president did nothing wrong here uh, because the party is a magnet for craven sociopaths. The president tweeted, quote, will the Democrats apologize after seeing what was said on the call with the Ukrainian president? They should. A perfect call got them by surprise. Again, this is not we cannot say this was actually what was said on the call. But still, it doesn't look good for President Trump. No, it doesn't look good for him at all. And this isn't even a transcript like this is a right. memo this about is a memo. the call that has a bunch of ellipses where stuff is missing. So as damning as this looks for Trump, it was probably worse in real in real life as it went down. The president is retweeting right wing pundits uh, who say the call shows, quote, no quid pro quo. Uh, but the Ukrainian president was asking about weapons from the U.S. And uh, just before Trump brought up this stuff, 
And he also framed it as, quote, a favor. Like the investigations were, uh, quote, a favor. <laughs> Crucially here, the Justice, so the Justice Department said that the president did nothing wrong in doing all this. President, fine, acting legally, according to the Justice Department, though not really a surprise considering that, uh, well, the attorney general was appointed by the president, and not just that, uh, was specifically appointed because Jeff Sessions wasn't enough of a water boy. It also, well, like a lot of people in Washington do genuinely believe that a sitting president can basically do whatever he or she wants, or they. But obviously, it's only been he until this point. Anyway, people do legitimately think this, that the president cannot commit a crime. Yeah. So, I don't know, uh, Washington brain disease... Uh, whatever. Anyway, pretty much every major Democrat running for president called for impeachment or otherwise suggested that it was an appropriate remedy. Bernie Sanders simply tweeted, quote, Donald Trump is the most corrupt president in the modern history of this country. End of quote. I would say by tweeting that Bernie. Uh, he has previously said he thinks the House should move on impeachment. Right, right. But having said that, he, he's got to come out with a really strong line on impeachment. I would assume He's working on that right now for the next debate because the way things are going, the next debate, second week of October, I think impeachment is going to be question number one. And uh, I thought that there would be no way that Dems could fuck this up, but it's looking like they might do it because, uh, well, according to the Washington Post White House bureau chief, uh, what was it? What's his name? Fuck, Philip Rucker. Yeah, one of them. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I wrote down his title. I forgot to write it's down right. his name. Anyway, he tweeted that, quote, Pelosi and other House Dems see Ukraine as enough for impeachment inquiry without without wrapping in Mueller, taxes, hush money, etc. Congresswoman Debbie Dingell told The Washington Post, quote, I think we need to focus on something that everybody understands. Let's, How does everybody not understand corruption? Yeah. Like the hotel stuff you could explain it to a two-year-old. I mean, everybody understands the Stormy Daniels stuff, too, by now, that the tr that the president was engaged in paying illegal hush money. And also the fucking obstruction of justice with Mueller stuff. Like, you yeah. could explain that to, like, a second grader. I, I honestly think they should just throw everything in this. Well, this is obviously... Pass what, it on to the Senate and make each senator defend each thing. And, and what they're doing here is is... Like, we saw the language that Pelosi used yesterday where she was like, what moved her is now it's a national security thing. Like, they can only frame everything in the context of U.S. geopolitical interests, a.k.a. imperial interests. Yeah. And how does this endear them to anyone? I don't know. There are a lot of dipshits yeah. out there. This, this country is pretty disgusting, but... I would like to think the future is brighter than that. As I said on yesterday's show, and to cover my own ass as someone who's advocated for impeachment for more than two years, the only argument, the only good argument against impeaching this president is that the Democrats will fuck it up. <laughs> Moving on, the Government Accountability Office has a new report out showing that more Americans are being unjustly foreclosed on. Oh, cool. The oversight body examined reverse mortgages offered by the Federal Housing Administration. Now, reverse mortgages are tailored for older homeowners, allowing them to earn some of the equity they've accrued on their home. In theory, it's supposed to allow individuals to receive some necessary income while also being allowed to stay in their home, 
When they die or move away, the money that's received from selling the home goes back to pay the interest and service on the reverse mortgage loan. The problem, identified by GAO, is in recent years, a growing number of Americans holding a reverse mortgage ended up being foreclosed on because they couldn't keep up with property taxes and insurance on their homes. Reverse mortgage holders no longer have to pay a mortgage, but they're still responsible for paying property taxes, insurance, and upkeeping the property. In 2014, only 2% of reverse mortgage terminations were due to borrowers defaulting. The majority were a result of death or the property being sold. But by 2018, that 2% default rate had shot up to 18%. Jesus Christ. GAO noted that FHA regulations allow reverse mortgage borrowers who are behind on their property tax payments to opt for repayment plans to avoid foreclosure. Unfortunately, this option was only offered to 22% of borrowers. Also, there are regulations aimed at helping financially distressed borrowers that offer a reprieve from foreclosure if the amount of property taxes owed is less than $2,000. But the FHA admitted that it doesn't conduct oversight of servicers to ensure that these considerations are being made. Reading from the GAO report, quote, Our analysis of FHA data found that approximately 8,800 reverse mortgages that terminated in fiscal years 2014 through 2018 had unpaid property charges of less than $2,000 at the time of termination. Some of these reverse mortgages may have been eligible for a low balance extension when they terminated. So that's nearly 9,000 people, at least, who had their lives ruined when they shouldn't have. And I say at least because the reporting knowledge is that the FHA doesn't have data to determine the reason for 30% of the reverse mortgage terminations. Very noteworthy that this uptick happens uh, under an administration run by basically a slumlord in Donald Trump and uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, is also a slumlord. Yeah. Well, to be fair to uh, the Trumps, I think the number actually spiked in 2016 and then went down a little bit in 2018, but still way higher than in 2014. Hmm. FHA said they would begin oversight of their major loan servicers in 2020. The agency does not coordinate with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which has been examining reverse mortgage servicers since 2011, and the CFPB since then has collected more than 3,500 consumer complaints about reverse mortgage firms. A liberal-leaning Federal Reserve governor testified today before Congress addressing the New York Fed's ongoing stimulus in short-term financial markets. Lael Brainerd said the actions being taken are actually, quote, pretty standard. Brainerd said banks were lacking money to lend to each other because of a large scheduled corporate tax bill. Here she is explaining the $75 billion plus per day injection and how this all differs from actions that were taken by the Fed uh, during the last financial crisis last decade. 2007-2008, we had counterparties pulling away from each other because there was concerns about the underlying quality of collateral and the creditworthiness of those counterparties. In other words, according to Brainerd, the New York Fed intervention is nothing to worry about insofar as financial stability is concerned because the underlying factors here uh, in the market, the larger trends, are not the same, at least for now because Brainerd also talked about the increase in borrowing by corporations that are already heavily in debt, so-called leveraged lending. And that picture is decidedly less rosy and slightly more or much more 
like 2008. The thing that is notable, uh, apart from the very large increase uh, in leverage loan issuance that we saw, is just that the covenants on those leverage loans have weakened quite notably relative to what they would have looked like historically, and there are features uh, that make them uh, less uh, secure, more opaque uh, for some of the investors. Now, they are being securitized, many of them, uh, in CLO structures. And so what's important, I think, going forward is to be able to have as much visibility as we can into those structures and who is holding uh, those loans through those structures. So a lot of complex terms and uh, some alphabet soup there. But notice where she ended up. The Fed is not really sure... Who is currently exposed by the 2008-like part of the financial market? Uh, smooth sailing going forward, for sure. For sure. For sure. I know that's a common refrain on this show, but for a reason. For a reason. Also of note during this hearing, a Republican from Texas asked a question of the witnesses that he evidently asks at every hearing, and he noted uh, this was the 20th time he's asked it, Anyway, here is Roger Williams conducting his survey on Lael Brainerd. Are you a, uh, a capitalist or are you a socialist? Well, thank you uh, for your question. Um, I certainly uh, have um, uh, uh, viewed uh, markets that are well-regulated, uh, that are competitive as providing really important benefits in terms of innovation and dynamism. Well, are you a capitalist or socialist? So, again, I would say that markets that are well-regulated... It's 20 to nothing right now. Where we've so. seen um, uh, strong competition, okay. I certainly have seen important benefits. Are you a capitalist or socialist? Uh, again, I, you know, okay. I don't really think All about right. it in those terms. She's to the left of Warren, folks. <laughs> she wants to be Bernie's Fed chair. She certainly sounds to the left of Warren. I don't know if she wants to be Bernie's Fed chair, but definitely a sign of the times where, I mean... I'm sure she's a capitalist. She's definitely a capitalist. But sign of the times where even capitalists are afraid to openly openly call themselves capitalists, and well, that's good. It, it might also be that she is defining herself as Republicans define socialism, which Republicans define socialism as pretty much any uh, market intervention. But I was really torn between feeling good and feeling bad about that answer, feeling good because here she is refusing to bash socialism and feeling bad because like there is a strand of politics which uh, b basically says you can be a capitalist and a socialist and uh, it uh, it's not really great for socialism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finally today, swipe right for some FTC enforcement news. The Federal Trade Commission announced today that it is suing Match Group Inc., which owns Match.com, Tinder, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, lots of other dating sites. We we don't talk nearly enough on the show about monopoly in the online dating sphere. I did not realize that all those companies were owned by a single fucking company. Yeah. Anyways, they're getting sued for deceptive and unfair practices, mainly getting hundreds of thousands of people to buy paid subscriptions to their service under false pretenses. Mm. The complaint details how people can sign up for Match.com for free, but have to pay to reply to messages from other accounts. Oof. So the site would then email users letting them know that someone was into them, even though in all likelihood, and Match knew this, that someone was a scammer. I'm just going to read from the FTC complaint here. Quote, millions of contacts that generated Match's 
you caught his eye notices came from accounts the company had already flagged as likely to be fraudulent. Mm. Many consumers purchased subscriptions because of these deceptive ads, hoping to meet a real user who might be the one. The FTC alleges that instead, these consumers often would have found a scammer on the other end. I I have been in a relationship for uh, some time now, so I haven't I haven't been swiping for some time now. But this story definitely re- reminds me of all those times you would be on there, and you'd get a match, and the match would be a bot. Yeah, and it's it sounds like they. They're aware of this bot problem, but they just count it as, uh, you know, more chances to find the love of your life in their algorithm. <laughs> should I should I embarrass Intern Nate on the show real quick? I, I'm going to do it. Okay. Intern Nate used to be really into swiping. You know, this was long before. I mean, he's he's in a happy relationship now and everything. Uh, but back when he was in his swiping days, he would like swipe right on obvious bots and like even engage with them for a little bit. And I'd be like, you know, that's a bot. He's like, I'm not so sure. This one might not be a bot. It's like, it's definitely a bot, dude. I think I think we're going to have to take that part out of the episode, but it is really funny. <laughs> Anyways, in addition, Match.com, quote, offered false promises of guarantees, failed to provide services to consumers who unsuccessfully disputed charges, and made it difficult for users to cancel their subscriptions. Dang, taking advantage of people at their most horniest... Get them, FTC. Get them. <laughs> All right. The newscast ends there. Before we go, let's read some poetry for our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel. This first one goes out to Danica. One billion dollars. That's how much the boss is worth. We're taking it all. Thank you, Danica. This is for Jacques, a noble French name. Americans react like LOL Jacques Strap. Sorry, Jacques. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Jacques. Think of really on the fly there. Finally, this is for Justin. Bay, come over. Me, I can't. Watching Lost. Bay, no parents. Me, still no. Thank you, Justin. That might have been worse than the one I wrote for Jacques, but thank you, Justin, either way. I don't know. I think it was pretty good. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to all the new subscribers on patreon.com slash district sentinel. Okay, if you are one of those subscribers, stick around. The show will resume with a really in-depth, fun interview about how the U.S. would get its ass kicked in a war with Iran. If you are not a subscriber, what are you waiting for? Go to Patreon and sign up, dummy. If you don't feel like doing that, we understand. But the show, sadly, ends for you right now. But we'll be back tomorrow with another newscast in D.C. so you don't have to be.